Welcome to Keeper's Place, the Keeper Murdoch Show and Podcast. We hope that by the end of our show, you're left feeling empowered, motivated, and connected. So come on in the room, grab your favorite drink, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Because you're finally at home at Keeper's Place. Now give it up for our host and producer, Coach Keever Lernice Murdoch. Hello and welcome to another amazing episode of Kiva's Place, the Kiva Murdoch Show and Podcast. Yes. So we have another amazing show outlined for you tonight. I'm so excited for you joining us. If you are new to Kiva's Place, my name is Kiva Lernice Murdoch. I am a coach. I'm a brand strategist. I'm a speaker, facilitator, now a new author and also the CEO and founder of KLM Enterprises. So yes. Yes, I'm so excited. Like I said, I've just co-authored a couple of new books. We, You can definitely uh, pick those books up. I talked about them. Our last show, which was on our special edition show on this past Tuesday. So definitely pick up the affirmations of a CEO on the move. If you're looking for a powerful uh, book that is a journal that has wonderful affirmations and tips from women that have been where you might be at this moment. And while you're at it, go ahead and pick up Born to Lead, Awakening the Leader Within with the visionary leader, Jacqueline Kabai Harrison. You can find both of those books on my linked tree. So I'm going to drop that in the description. So just visit www.linktree and make sure you got .ee forward slash Kiva Murdoch and grab your copies of those books. They are very moving and I'm so proud to have co-authored such great projects. For our show tonight, I am so honored to have in our house where we have authentic conversations in atmospheres that feel like home. And our guest tonight is David Richmond. He is very interesting. I'm so excited to talk to him and to learn about his struggles and how he has persevered. So if you are one of those individuals that have uh, gone through trials and tribulations and not really sure how to get beyond that stuck to accomplish, then you are in the right place tonight. So let me just introduce you to David so we can go ahead and bring him on the screen. I'm so glad to have him in our house tonight. So David, he's an uh, um, excuse me, he's an entrepreneur getting tongue-tied. He's an entrepreneur, he's an author, he's a public speaker, he's an athlete, and he is a philanthropist. He uses the lessons learned in his life to enrich and inspire others. With his first book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, David discussed how to get more out of ourselves than ever imagined before. And now David shares the interconnected stories of others overcoming obstacles, specifically cancer, in his second book, Cycle Alives. So help me welcome to Kiva's Place, David Richmond. So how are you? Welcome. Well, thank you, Kiva. I'm very excited to be here. You look great. I I'm glad. I'm glad, glad to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. Awesome. Same here. I am so glad to have you. Like I stated 
in my introduction, you have definitely, in, you really piqued my interest because just reading a little bit more about you, um, just some of the struggles you have endured, which actually motivated you to write your uh, books. So before mm -hmm. we actually dive into all of that information, let's just allow um, yourself just a few more minutes to tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Oh, sure. So in the context of our discussion here, you know, I, I love the idea that you never know what people are going through or you never know what they have been through, right? We, we tend to have uh, a persona that we have out in the public, either at our work or in, you know, with family and friends or, you know, wherever, in whatever situation. And then we have the real us and you, you and, and nobody really knows what we've been through or, or what we're going through. And you could say that about almost anybody you talk to. I think in the context of what we're going to talk about, you know, on the one side, I was, you know, a successful businessman. I was running a hundred million dollar in revenue uh, uh, division for a major Wall Street firm. I had, you know, good friends. I had some physical possessions. And most people that would have seen me would have been like, hey, dude, man, you got your act together and everything's going well. What they didn't know and what, what I, you know, had a hard time facing was the struggles that I was having in my life. Um, I was in a very toxic relationship, uh, married to an abusive alcoholic. I had, uh, I was sitting, you know, very overweight. I was a smoker. I was very depressed. I was not happy. I uh, didn't really know, um, where my place was in the world and, and, and how to interact with the world. I wasn't living on purpose. And, um, I just, I was just stuck in a very, very, very bad place personally, emotionally, you know, and whatever. So that's, that's kind of like that, that, that the setup uh, Kiever for the, for, for our discussion is, you know, on the one hand, yeah, okay. I was doing pretty good, but on the other hand, I was a complete wreck and, and I was in a very, very bad situation. And it wasn't until Kiever I heard the words that sometimes you need to hear. You got affirmations in your book, and maybe somebody could could hear those things a hundred times, but when they read it one time, they're like, "Ah, oh, that's like right then and there, like like it just hit them because that's when they needed to hear it." And I had a friend Kiever who said to me, "He goes, look, dude," he said, "Listen, I'm I've been listening to you complain for years." He goes, "And all you ever do is." encounter problems like it's a like it's a wild animal and every problem you encounter you, you go home you, you you clean it up you feed it and then you pet it and it bites you and you're wondering why it bit you meanwhile it's just a wild animal dude why do you keep looking for problems you can't solve why do you keep picking wild animals and you know what you need to do is look at what your problems are and and yeah okay i i, I probably hadn't done that until then on any meaningful level I was always mad at the world or wondering why I had any problems and all these issues and gotten these bad relationships and had these difficult uphill struggles. Meanwhile, I had never really looked at the guy in the mirror and said, what's your problem, dude? Like what, what, you know, what can you, what can you do to work on? Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes we, we really need that. We just need that person within our circle who is going to be honest with us and who are going to hold our our feet to the fire and kind of force us to um, acknowledge some of those issues that we are always running away from. So, yeah. Yeah. So I kept my head down and looked at challenges as a something to solve. And sometimes that worked out positively. 
other times I looked at challenges as a roadblock and maybe sometimes it didn't work out positively, but I was always looking at the roadblock or always looking at the challenge. Or, you know, if I found myself in a personal or a professional relationship that wasn't working out for me, in fact, maybe it was exactly the opposite of working out for me. I always looked at that person or that issue or that situation as the problem. I had never had an awareness that maybe I'm the problem, right? Maybe maybe I'm not doing things properly. Maybe I'm making bad decisions. Maybe I'm the one that is not motivated in the proper ways. I'm not measuring myself in the proper ways. I'm not setting my own goals. I mean, there was a number of things that I, I was really in touch with a lot of people, but I wasn't in touch with myself at all. And that's, mm. that's what I think my friend Chris gave me the ability to do. I was very observant, very aware, able to solve problems, you know, learning lessons, teaching lessons, leading people. I was doing all those things. But if it, it, if I was my own student, I, I didn't teach myself a thing. Not not up until then. Mm, powerful, powerful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned, David, that you were a smoker, you were overweight, but I was reading you have run countless marathons and you are a triathlete i mean i'm curious to know what actually motivated you to make such a drastic transition in your life and your health sure well look you're you're an achiever and a lot of people that follow you are achievers and you know one of the things that we don't like to do when we're achieving is to fail i mean sometimes we have to Right. Sometimes you have to know when to quit. Sometimes you have to realize you took on too much or you weren't qualified to do something. Sometimes you fail, but it's not something we like doing at all. And being that I had never really focused on myself, I certainly hadn't tried to uh, live a purposeful life. I said, man, if I'm going to quit smoking, dude, I, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail at quitting smoking because if I do, then, you know, what's going to happen? I didn't want to fail at getting healthy. Uh, I had four year old twins at the time got me and them to safety. And I didn't want to fail being a a good parent for them. Um, I didn't want to fail this kind of like, quote unquote, second lease on on my personal life, getting out of that bad situation. Um, So I just said, man, what can you do to not fail? And I said, well, the first thing you got to do is do something that you can't do while you smoke. So that's run. You you can't smoke and run at the same time. I mean, you could, but you look pretty stupid. So so I, 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 I tried to run two minutes and I couldn't do it. But then next time I ran, I ran two minutes and then I ran five minutes and then I ran a mile and then I did a 5k and a 10k. And then I said, well, maybe I could be on a bike. You certainly can't swim while you're smoke while you're swimming. So maybe I should try swimming. And so I just became in my free time focused on being athletic. And that led me to doing, you know, half marathon and then a marathon and then an Ironman and then 50 mile runs and hundred mile runs and 300 mile bike rides and all this crazy stuff. And and part of the reason that I was drawn to it was not just because it was keeping me healthy or making me healthy and not just because it made me, um, you know, lose weight, keep, uh, keep from smoking, you know, be be a better example to my kids, but it also Kiva became a place of meditation and discovery and enlightenment and uh, meditation. It just was a, a, a place where I could go because how often do we, I mean, look at all the things you mentioned you do. How many, how many hours and hours and hours in a day do you have to contemplate your own stuff? You don't, mm-hmm. we, don't we don't have that time. You just go, 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 go. And then you fall asleep and wake up and go, 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 go again. 
And we, you know, maybe you take a yoga class, maybe you go to a movie, maybe you read a book, but really, when do you have hours and hours and hours to really focus on the things that we need to find out, like living a more purposeful life? Like, what does it all mean? Like, what, what am I doing that's right? What am I doing that's wrong? How am I interacting with the world? Uh, which relationships are important to me? Which ones should be important to me? All these kind of heavy questions I was able to ask myself and find out the answers to while I was doing this endurance athletics. So it became kind of two two things. One, a physical thing for me, but it certainly became an emotional one and a, and a psychological one because that's where I could I'd do a whole lot of self-care and a, and a whole lot of planning and a whole lot of contemplation. And, and I still do to this day. I, I still love that part about endurance athletics is it's a really good place to go and just figure out all the stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's a wonderful point, you know, and I say all the time on the show to find that outlet to where you can decompress, you can self-reflect, you can meditate, you just to make sure that you are um, recognizing not only your vision, but you're staying on purpose. And for you, what I'm hearing you say is that actually um, ties into your running and swimming in these marathons. So you use that as a way to make sure that you are grounded and to be able to hear and just stay focused and driven on whatever you have going on in your life. I love that. And that's so important because self-care, self-reflection, self-discovery is so important. And I believe that that's what kind of keeps us a whole individual, you know, we don't coach mm-hmm. part of a of an individual. So just making sure that we are taking care of that entire being is so important. So I'm glad that you are using that as your means or your vehicle to make sure that you are staying whole, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, becoming whole because Mm -hmm. right yeah but you're absolutely right what you said was was spot on and and beautiful and it wasn't like staying whole it was becoming whole you know i don't know if anybody out there has this persona but one of my personas was i only cared about what others thought or what i thought they thought about me right like i gotta do this because the teacher's gonna be happy i gotta do this to make the boss happy i gotta do this because that's what my significant other thinks i should do or right so i was always looking to others for validation for purpose, uh, to measure my worth, to measure, you know, um, uh, what kind of impact I was having. Meanwhile, I was absolutely wrong because they were all just caring about their own things as well. They should, but I never, I never cared about the guy in the mirror. What did he think? And I didn't, I didn't know. So I, I had to start somewhere for me. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, you, you figured this out. Obviously you figured out a pathway for yourself way earlier than I did. I didn't even start till my late thirties to, to say to the guy in the mirror, like, who are you? What do you stand for? What do you want out of life? What, what is, what makes you whole? I didn't even know what, what, what made me 1%, you know? And so it was a beautiful uh, learning exercise to allow myself to focus on myself and allow myself to care what I thought about things. That's a really hard, it was a hard thing for me to do. Were you able to come to that self-reflection, David, on your own, or did you hire a coach or a mentor? Well, I, I definitely had 
um, different people in my life that made a, a, def, a you know, definite impact on me, right? Uh, in business, I had a not a mentor, but somebody who she taught me, uh, I don't know, a, a hundred business and life lessons. And, and I don't think she purposely set out to be my mentor, but um, but I can think of at least a hundred ways that I think about business and life and interactions and, 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 and personalities, that type of stuff that came from her. And the lessons I learned uh, watching her, learning from her, interacting with her, uh, being managed by her and led by her. But I don't think that was a formal kind of mentee-mentor relationship or coaching relationship. I told you about my friend Chris, who probably taught me the biggest lesson in the world, which is stop looking at everybody else as the problem and start thinking of yourself as the problem, right? I mean, I could have hired a coach for 10 years, and if he didn't tell me that when I needed to hear it, it wouldn't have had the impact on me. So um, I probably would have preferred, had I been smart enough, to hire a coach when I was young, uh, to to look for mentors when I was young, but I I wasn't smart enough to do that. And so, um, you know, although I've had people that that have had a profound impact on me, it wasn't in a, you know, very preconceived way. It wasn't in a very logical way. It wasn't in a way that, you know, like what you do for your, for your clients and for your community is, 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 you know, very measurable, very logical. It's very like here, you're at point A, let me get you to point Z, wherever that is. And I'll be with you along the way and all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's great. It's just, I I wasn't dialed into that line of thinking uh, uh, until much, much later in life. And so I was able to, I mean, fortunately I was able to teach myself a whole lot of lessons because finally I gave myself the permission to look at myself as the example and care, care more about what I thought about me than other people thought about me, which again, hard thing to do. Yeah. Better late than never though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you actually authored a couple of books. One of them was winning in the middle of the pack. And you have spoken so eloquently about self-reflection and self-discovery. So I wanted to ask you, what actually surprised you the most about self-discovery during this writing process? Um, let me let me tell you a super quick story, okay? So um, when I started doing endurance athletics, okay, I was very self-conscious. I said, man, I don't belong in this in this room, right? I, I have an imposter syndrome. Like a lot of people you coach have imposter syndrome, right? Like I, I don't haven't deserved it. I don't, I shouldn't be here. Anything that good happens to me is an accident. I mean, you could name it, right? We, we it, right. So I'm starting to do endurance athletics and I'm very self-conscious because I'm still overweight. I'm not an athlete. Like, like I have no business being at the events that I'm at. That's what's going on in my head. And so the very first long distance event that I ever did, it's one of these wave starts. So basically they send out different age groups at different times so that um, not everybody's in the water taking off for the swim at the same time. Right. And and I went down to the start, Kiever, and I said, you know what? I got to see what these athletes look like because I don't know what what I got myself into. And every single one of them looks like a Greek god. I mean, I'm like, holy cow, there's not an ounce of fat on all of them combined. And they all look like athletes. I mean, they're confident and they're, ooh, and I'm like, oh my God. And I literally, Kiever, almost got my car and went home. I almost did because I said, I don't belong here. And the gun goes off 
and the swimmers take off. And I'm not going to say that, you know, there wasn't some Greek God swimming because maybe 90% of the people out there started taking off like they're real athletes. But then right after, after that cleared out, I saw, you know, this one dude flipped over on his back and he started reverse doggy paddling. And another guy started swimming in circles. And another guy was like afraid to get in the water. So he was just walking. And I'm like, oh man, they don't care. Like they're just doing the best they can do. They're just trying to figure out who they are. Like, why do you care what anybody else thinks? Or just go out there and do it for you, man. Like, like you can do that. If nothing else, you could, you don't have to go flipping on your back doing doggy paddle. Right. So, so don't worry about them. They're not worried about it, what anybody else thinks. And so long answer to your question, but um, the biggest uh, surprise about self-discovery is for me was to be able to just exactly do that. Go on a quest of self-discovery, right? Mm. Self, self, like worry about yourself. Now, look, a lot of things I do are for others that, that I don't mean be selfish in your discovery, but, but for me, that was the biggest surprise was like, I keep saying it, but just this idea that it's okay to put yourself first when you, when you're thinking about it, you know, that sometimes key when you're on the airplane and they go, Oh, if the cabin loses pressure, put the mask on yourself first and then your child. And I used to think that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Like I got kids, no way, man, I'm putting it on them. But then somebody was like, no, man, you just, Nobody likes a dead hero. Put it on yourself first and then put it on them. Oh, now I get you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. And I also love the fact that, David, you you went out there to that water. You faced that water and you did it. You did it scared. Mm -hmm. You did it apprehensively. You did it without even knowing what the outcome was going to be. But you did it. And people yeah. need to understand that even though things may not seem perfect in our lives or our business still jump, do it anyway. You might surprise yourself. You might yeah. actually come yeah. out better than you started on the other side. So yeah, there's a great quote. So Ironmans are long distance triathlons, right? It's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike. Then you jump off the bike and you go run a marathon. So for the average athlete, you're talking 12 to 14, 15 hours of an event. That's a lot, right? And there's this beautiful quote by one of the original guys that came up with this idea of an Ironman. This is now going 40 plus years ago. And he said, you know what? During the Ironman, you're going to quit. You're going to want to quit a thousand times. And he says, and if you do, nobody's going to care, but you're always going to know. Mm -hmm. And he said, what makes me not quit is I'm not going to finish first. Maybe I will one day, but most likely I'm not going to finish first, but I'm going to finish way ahead of the guy that never started. And I'm like, oh, that's a great way to think about it. Like, you don't have to be first to win. You just got to be ahead of all the people that didn't start. Mm. Right? I mean, it, it's just a different way of saying exactly what you just said. Exactly. So let me ask you this. Did that quote... Um, gave you the title of your book because I noticed reading it, it says winning in the middle of the pack versus the beginning or the end. So did that inspire you to pick in this particular title? Well, I went through, it, it did uh, along with about a hundred other things, but I, you know, when you write a book and you're working with the editor and you're going back and forth on, you know, how it's all going to be laid out, the title has to make sense. And 
I'll be really quick about this, Kiever, but basically my theory is that, you know what, I'm probably never going to be Oprah Winfrey. I'm probably never going to be Elon Musk. I'm never going to be Michael Jordan. Those guys are at the top of the list. And and they're at the front and front and front of the frontest pack there ever was, right? And, and, and I don't have a lot in common with them. But I also don't have a lot in common with the dude that's 35 years old playing video games, living on his mom's couch, right? So I don't have much in common with either ends of those spectrum. And that's okay with me, right? Uh, but, but I'm in the middle somewhere, somewhere in the middle. And I guarantee you that Elon Musk and Oprah Winfrey and, and uh, Michael Jordan never cared a thing about what anybody else thought or what anybody else said, right? They don't need anybody to tell them what they're going to accomplish in life. They're self-driven. They're, they self-measure. It, it, they care about other people. But honestly, you can't tell them what to do. And guess what? The 35-year-old dude that's living on the couch, he doesn't hear a word anybody says about getting a job and getting his own place and, and stop leeching off his mom, right? They don't hear it. But, so why do I care what other people think? Why do I? Why am I caring what how they're measuring me? I shouldn't. So so if I'm going to be more, if I'm going to adopt one quality of them, being that I'm somewhere in the middle, it is you know what? Just go out and do it for yourself. Mm, I and love that. And, and so that that is uh, winning in the middle of the pack. So I don't have to win the race. I just have to win saying, did I set a high enough goal? Did I, is it a, is it a proper goal, right? Is it a good goal for me and for others? Um, is it high enough? Is it worthy? It does it require a effort. Am I going to feel good if I accomplish it? Am I going to learn from it? If I don't, is it meaningful? And then go, there, there you go. That's it. Now just go out there and do your best. And if you accomplish it and you happen to do some good along the way, that's winning. I might not win the race, but, but, I, but, but, you know what? I set up enough enough of a goal that was meaningful and I accomplished it. I won. Winning on your own terms. I love yeah. it. I love that. Now, you also um, just recently published a new book, Cycling, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, The Cycle of Lives. Give us a little bit of background on what actually inspired you to write this book. Sure, and, and thank you for that. The 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 time frame of when I look in the mirror and said, you know, for like an hour after my friend Chris said, "Dude, look in the mirror," you know, you're the you're the problem. I said, mm, "Okay," and I and I stood in the mirror and I started looking and I started to make these changes and and it really allowed me the ability to start to rewire my brain and interact with the world. And I saw ahead of me, Kiever, this like endless path, right? Of, oh, look what I could learn. Look what I could accomplish. Look, look where I might go. How exciting this is! And I felt like, you know, boom! I'm going to find out my purpose and go and go live this meaningful life. At that exact same time, I got a call from my sister telling me that she had terminal brain cancer. And so her path at that same time, even though she had accomplished a lot, she was living purposefully. She had a wonderful relationship with her husband great kids, great friends, you know, really a sense of meaningful life. Um, now her path was going to be very short and it kind of hit me, right? What, what, what a difference we have. And it made me be really uh, more aware and try to interact with her at a deep level because I wanted to learn what I could from her. And I wanted to, you know, just be with her as much as I could and, and you know, see what she was going through. And I came across this dynamic keeper 
that seemed to be really prevalent and it really touched me. And the dynamic was it didn't matter if it was a doctor or a nurse or the patient or a loved one or survivor, a, a you know, family member, didn't matter. They all were really good about dealing with tasks related to the cancer. You know, how do I navigate insurance? How do I get better care? How do I get my kids watched? How do I eat better? How do I sleep better? But when it came to how do you feel? What's going through your mind? What kind of emotions are running through you right now? We Those conversations are not easy to have, right? And I noticed that with almost everybody I, I, I watched and it, and it really touched me and I wanted to go on a quest to find out why is that? Why do we have such a hard time? And look, I'm that way too. Why do we have such a hard time talking about the emotional aspects of trauma? And uh, there's a million reasons why, but I wanted to try to find out why so that maybe when we are going through something difficult, we'll be uh, more inclined to let people uh, connect with us on an emotional level. But more importantly, when people around us are going through something traumatic, um, that we are empowered to start hard conversations so that we can form deeper, more authentic connections with them. And that's what the cycle of lives is all about. I love that. And I love that your book is literally a, a blueprint to start that process of having that very difficult and intimate conversation. Because like you said earlier, it's very hard to cultivate that conversation when you're talking about feeling and cancer mm -hmm. and, you know, especially those that we get the news that are terminally ill. Sometimes you just don't know exactly what to say. You know, so I can really appreciate you authoring such a book that really gives us the um, the tools and the strategies that we could implement immediately in how to start those conversations, how to listen, because, you know, you can talk, but, you know, sometimes people just need you to just listen and just be there and just to be present. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think this book is going to be definitely powerful and impactful in that way. Well, well th thanks, Kiever. And when you think about it, like uh, some people, uh, pe people are different on, in the way they learn lessons, right? Like, like if you got 10 coaches in a room together and I said to you, hey, each one of you 10 coaches, give me five lessons that, 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 that you've learned that can enhance my experience and teach me leadership and you know, value and, you know, all of these other things, I might learn something from it. But if you then pulled each one aside and said, listen, let me tell you what's behind the lessons I learned. Let me tell you how difficult it was for me as a kid, or let me tell you what I overcame in an abusive relationship. And this is what it taught me. Or let me tell you about the five failures in business that I had that I don't like to brag about, but what, let me tell you about the parent that I saw that, that, that never thought I was going to uh, make myself anything and used to tell me that over and over and over. And look, what drives people, what the story behind what they've gone through, the traumas that they've experienced allows me to really learn from their lessons. Mm -hmm. And I don't, uh, in the book, I don't prescribe, do this, do, don't do this, do this, don't do this. What I do is I reveal the real emotion behind traumas that we could all identify with and we could all have compassion for and we can all have empathy for 
that we can all have an emotional connection to. I reveal these stories because it's framed around why their traumas and why the emotional difficulties that they've had in life, which we all have, um, why those things were, uh, uh, were, were a factor in them being able to connect or why those were a factor that prevented them from connecting on an emotional level with others. In other words, you know, if, if you were abandoned as a kid over and over and over, and as a young adult, you were abandoned over and over and over. And even as a, as a, as a, as a, you know, a parent, you know, not, not maybe you were abandoned and all of a sudden you need people. Do you think you're going to be, when your friend says, Hey, Kiever, what do you need, man? Let me help you out. You're going to be like, Oh no, uh-uh. I'm fine, man. Trust me. I'm fine. I don't need anything. Why? Because it's possible if you lean on them, they're going to abandon you. Everybody else has. Right. And so I say to you, Kiever, I know something's going on, man. Let me help you out. What, what can I do? And you go, dude, I'm totally fine. It's all good. And then we, and, phew, thank gosh, she didn't ask me for anything because I don't know what the heck I could do anyway. No, I don't even know what to say, right? Uh, and you're sitting there going, man, it'd be nice if somebody really cared. But if I then if I open up and told him, he's just going to say, sorry, man, too busy, or he's not going to understand me, or he's going to make, 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 you know, make fun of me or whatever. I don't know. And it doesn't allow us to connect in an authentic way. But once I know what's behind, the courage it took you to let me ask you, hey, is there anything I can do? And if you had a safe space where you could tell me and you believe that I wasn't going to abandon you, then we can now connect in a different level. And, and I think that that's what these stories teach people. I love that. So you have really taken 15 different stories, but you tied it into cycling thousands of miles. What was the reasoning behind that? Well, I, I think in talking to people, and I talked to way more than 15, right? But 15 made the book because we were able to go down every dark hallway and open up every box that had a thousand locks on it about their emotional traumas. Not everybody's able to do that. And heck, I'm not a professional. I'm not a therapist or any psych. I don't know, you know, MD, nothing. I don't have the skills to get through to everybody. But, but uh, 15 uh, of them, we were able to go as deep as, as you could go, right? I mean, deep, deep, deep with everyone. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Darn it, I hate that. We I, were I, talking about how you were able to tie in cycling. Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, yeah okay. I was just thinking ahead of myself. So what happened is, is, as I'm connecting with people, and thank you for bringing me back on track, is I realized that we were really only connected by two things. And the two things that all people are connected by is their ability to lean in when you go, oh, I got a story for you. Like if you're walking down the street and somebody says, hey, Kiva, I got some info for you. You'll be like, no, thanks. I don't have time. Right. Or but if they go, hey, Kiva, I got a story. Come here. You're like, what? Right. Who doesn't want to hear a good story? We're all connected by story. The other thing I think we're all connected by as human beings, even though we have different emotional responses to things, we're all connected by emotion. So I thought if we're connected by story and we're connected by emotion, why not get on my bike and connect the stories by biking to the people? Because I had talked to them on the phone for like a year to up to two years, some people, but I had never met them. So what better way to connect these stories than to get on my bike and, and cycle to, to each one of them. And I had hoped 
Kiever that I would each day along the way, and it turned out to be true, uh, uh, run into people that would reinforce this idea. Because I didn't know if I had made it up that it was difficult to talk about the emotional side of things. Everybody I spoke to said that, but I only spoke to a couple hundred people. On my bike ride, I was going to meet thousands, right? Mm -hmm. And so every single person that I spoke to on the bike ride had some level of, man, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Somebody at work told me about their kid and, and something happened to him. And I don't really know what to say. You know, I had this wonderful, this woman, she just, she, the memory of her still so, so close to me. She said, I was so close to my grandpa, so close to my grandpa. And he just died of cancer two weeks ago. And he and my and grandma were married for 45 years. And I don't know what to say to grandma. What do I say? And I'm like, man, this is, everybody's got that issue. Why is that? And so part of the reason that I went on the bike ride was I wanted to discover uh, was this something that I had made up or was this something that's real? And it's very, very real. Not just with the people in the book, but everybody can identify with that. Mm -hmm. So that was that was the main reason. I mean, there were other reasons too, but part of it, my sister died. I wanted to try to process those emotions. Uh, part of it was I wanted a physical challenge, which would be uh, bring a lot of notoriety to the to the book. And... I mean, lastly, as we talked about a while ago, uh, I wanted the contemplation. So being on a bike for 12 hours a day for six weeks straight gave me the uh, ability to contemplate my emotions, the stories, and how I was going to write the book. So there were a lot of reasons why I went on the bike ride. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I love how you use the bike as a way to connect and to not only connect people but connect stories and just bring it and just tie it on in so mm -hmm. impressive i have thoroughly enjoyed you tonight oh thank you i'm i'm uh i'm glad to talk to you and and i'm sorry for some of the long answers but you ask good questions and it just makes me think like i better answer you fully you know not a problem. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. So just to get to learn you on a, a little bit of a personal side before we drop your contact information, what are some of your pet peeves, whether that's in business or a personal? I want to know what kind of ticks <laughs> you off. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll tell you what sets me off is probably the thing that is the most annoying in, in not a strictly personal way is people who already have the answer to the question. Like everybody, the person that knows everything, like nothing's new to them. They can't learn anything, nothing's fresh, right? The things are the way they are because they are, they're just closed to any new ideas. And, and, and to me, that's the opposite of the way we should, we should live our lives. I feel like every, almost every interaction we have can be a learning exercise, can be a new way to see things, can provide a fresh perspective. You know, so I think a pet peeve is I really have nothing in common with the person that already knows the answer to every question. Mm -hmm. So that's a pet peeve. If, if you already know the answer to the question, then we were probably not going to get along. That's a pet peeve. Second pet, pet, peeve, pet peeve is um, we can't all be nice all the time. And sometimes, you know, we perceive that we're not being nice and we just got to give ourselves a break. Like I had a rough day, so I'm not gonna be nice to everyone. I don't like not, not nice people. Mm. Right. Like even if we disagree, even if we vehemently disagree, 
there's no reason why we can't be nice to each other, right? There's too much anger. There's too much violence. There's too much closed-mindedness. I really don't have any patience for people that aren't kind. Mm, You know, that's a pet peeve to me. If if, Mm -hmm. if you're an angry person, we probably don't have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. And you have to guard your spirit. You have to guard your mind around just people who are just always negative. They can't find anything positive going on. Even with the sun, they mad because the sun too hot, you know? (laughs) Exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. It never please them. Yeah, and and I I feel like it's a gift that was given to me when I when when I finally looked in the mirror and said, okay, what's important to you? And you know what I found out that's important to me is is being optimistic. And and I, I mean, look at I'm 59 years old. I'm doing Ironmans. I'm doing 100 mile runs. I'm doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I still believe. I mean, I'm happily married now to to you know to a wonderful woman. My kids are grown. I got a million different things I'm going to accomplish in the world. And, and have accomplished in the world. I still think my best days are ahead of me. Like mm-hmm. I'm just wired to be optimistic. And so, you know, anybody that wants to say like, I shouldn't be optimistic or that thinks that they shouldn't be optimistic about what tomorrow could bring, I kind of don't have much in common with. Exactly. And you have to be careful because we are what we say we are. You, We have the power to speak blessings. We have the power to speak curses. So manifest that, those positive thoughts and those positive actions, you know, and live on a positive, you know, light, live positively. Because mm-hmm. if you are going to doom yourself, <laughs> then I mean, it's nothing nobody else can do. You are, um, you have power over your own destiny. So make it happen. Yeah, I totally agree. Love so it. those are a couple of my pet peeves. I, I maybe have a few more, but those are But David, like I said, it has been such an honor to have you here. It's been so much fun. You are, of course, welcome back to Kiva's Place anytime, but we need to let them know how to get copies of your book so we can go ahead and put that information out there. So ladies and gentlemen, you have definitely heard, if you're just joining us, we're here with David Richmond, who just recently authored a wonderful book, Cycle of Lives, talks about just cancer's um, stories of cancer and how he has used his ath- athleticism to connect those stories and those people together. So definitely get your copy. You can reach out to David on one of his website is david-richmond.com. You can also go to cycleoflives.org to get your copies of the book. If you would like to reach out to David on social media, you can find him on Facebook forward slash cycle of lives, or you can go to his Instagram, go to instagram.com forward slash David Richmond underscore cycle of lives. So basically if you just Google cycle of lives, you will be bound to find David Richmond. Okay. So definitely get your copy of your, of his book, especially if you know, you have, um, those in your innermost circle that is going through some trying times and maybe you just feel like you just don't know what to say so go ahead and pick up his book and i pray that it gives you that insight and that guidance that you need to to be um present and impactful in their lives wonderful and uh, two quick quick things one is the, the book is very inspirational and positive thinking and very optimistic you know, there's some heavy stories in there, 
but every story has a positive, optimistic, insightful, you know, really uplifting uh, uh, aspect of it. And the second thing, and I, and I appreciate you letting me uh, have a minute to say this, Kiever, is that is that the proceeds from the book, whether it's sold on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or in the bookstore or on my website, the proceeds from the book, 100% of the proceeds go to um, all the different cancer-focused organizations that the book participants picked. So I named those organizations in the book. The organizations are all listed on the website. So whatever comes into to me goes out the door to those institutions. It's not a lot of money. There's not a ton of money in books, but but 100% of what comes to me goes out to the support those organizations. Mm. Hi, Kiever. Yes, I had to give you a round of applause for that because not only did you write the book, but you're also giving back again through the sales of the book. This man is phenomenal. You guys pick up his book, Cycle of Lives, and not only are you going to read some wonderful conversations and stories about some wonderful people, but you're also going to be donating to various research for cancer. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win. So definitely, definitely support David. Amazing. Well, David, it has been an honor. I'm going to allow you any last final words, anything you want to say to perhaps encourage just any final words. The floor is yours before we close out the show tonight. Sure. I would just say anybody who's watching, first of all, to be a coach and an author and run your show and produce your show while you're running it. I mean, this, this you're pretty amazing, Kiever. So I, I would just like to shout out that what you're doing is building a business, giving back, and obviously you have some amazing skills and the ability to organize and you know uh, so many other things. So I'm I'm very impressed. I really appreciate the opportunity, and certainly if uh, if the uh, talk we had touches anyone, they'll know how to get a hold of me, and they will definitely have learned also a little bit more about you and your abilities too. So keep it going. You're great at what you do and definitely appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. And like I said, it has been such a pleasure and I have enjoyed you tonight. And like I said, any other projects you have coming up, you are definitely welcome. So you are no longer a stranger at Keeper's House, okay? Beautiful. Next time I'm biking over there on that end of the country, I'll stop by and say hello. Do that. (laughs) I would love to meet you in person. Yes, 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 yes. Love it, love it, love it. All right, well, family, I hope you have enjoyed our show tonight. Be sure to definitely share this broadcast. Find us on all social media and go ahead and click. We are definitely trying to grow our our YouTube channel. So I want you to go to YouTube, okay? And look up Kiever's Place and not only look it up, I want you to hit that bell, hit that notification. And I want you to like and subscribe. We're trying to grow. We are now in 25 different countries. So we are now focused on growing this YouTube channel. So definitely look us up. Don't be a stranger. We family. So share, like, and subscribe okay i need your support so until next time family continue to share connect and glow because we understand that building your network also builds your net worth so until next time peace and blessings i love you all good night thank you for watching kiever's place the kiever murdoch show and podcast tune in every thursday night 7 30 p.m 
Eastern Standard Time. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Kiever's Place. To be a guest on our show, text the word guest to 803-368-3030 or visit us at tinyurl.com slash Kiever's Place Book. And watch us on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire as we're broadcasting in more than 60 million homes worldwide.